Welcome to the team podcast. This podcast is for you, our teams. This gives Seth and I an opportunity to share stuff we're learning without having yet another meeting. I'm Ron Hudson, the lead pastor at Calvary Baptist Church. And I'm Seth Frank, the campus minister for Moorhead Christian Student Fellowship. We're a few days before Christmas, and Christmas involves a lot of tradition and ritual. So that's what we're going to talk about today. What is ritual? So uh, Seth, first question, what, what exactly is ritual? Ritual is one of those religious-y terms that I think everyone just assumes they know what the meaning of it is. Right. Instead of actually ever thinking it through, what exactly is this thing? I, I know I do it. I know what's going on. I know it's Christmas time, so I have these things and rituals that I do. But I don't know what ritual actually is because I've never taken the time to step back and say, what is this? Okay. So that's actually what I've been thinking about recently. And part of my conclusion with it is ritual is really the things we do to remind us of who we want to be. The things we do to remind us. So almost like a keystone habit or a, a behavior that we do consistently to, to help us be the right person. Like, is this like manners at the table? So I don't put my elbows on the table so that I don't be rude to people. <laughs> or yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's both of those things. I think it can include a number of different ideas. I don't think ritual is just during a religious ceremony. I think ritual is both a corporate experience, um, so lots of people, and an individual experience. Okay. I was listening to The Hobbit recently, and one of the things I noticed was Bilbo uh, would almost ritually be hospitable to the dwarves when the dwarves were first coming to his house. Right. And he'd be like, ugh. Thanks for showing up. I'm here to serve you. Come and have some tea. But he really didn't want to. Right. But that was the right thing to do culturally. Yeah. It was that ritual of hospitality that made sure he still did that and made sure he was still the person he wanted to be. Okay. So I, I, for myself, ritual is almost the negative term. Sometimes it's, it's become a negative term because I saw uh, growing up in, in my faith, I saw ritual that did not resonate with the heart of God in some ways, at least at a point there came in, in my teen years growing up where I saw people doing things ritualistically in church. And apparently there was a good reason for it. But every time I would ask the reason for the ritual, it wasn't that I hated the ritual. It was that I wanted to know the meaning so that I could engage with it or understand it. When I would ask the meaning of the ritual, then I would get a lot of kind of backlash it was like how dare you question this this is what we've always done this is our tradition this is this is how we have done things you know how dare you question this and then because you've questioned this you know maybe you're not following god maybe you need to go read your bible and pray and then you'll understand why we do this thing that's not in the bible you kind of like so that's that's where i came from ritual um you know and uh, um one example uh i I would go pass out tracks at the train station and tracks are uh, something that a paper pamphlet that shares uh, the message of the gospel. And so we'd give this to people in hopes that they would read it and understand the gospel and then ask Jesus in their heart. And so we would do this ritualistically every Saturday, go out and pass out this, these flyers and it was hot. It would be like a hundred degrees. And I'd be like, I want to wear shorts cause it's hot. And I'm standing at the train station in a concrete you know, hot. I just want to wear shorts. And no, you can't wear shorts because that would be a bad testimony. That'd be a bad example. And I'm like, how is that possibly a bad testimony? 
So I, well, Ron, Jesus didn't wear shorts. Right, exactly. Jesus didn't wear shorts. And so there, there are things like that or, or types of music that you want to listen to or or what, do we need to have the American flag or the Christian flag on the platform or parts of parts of the service that we might do, four songs, five songs, reading the scripture during the message, all these things. I wanted to know why. And so a lot of times when you would ask why, I would get pushback and people would get mad. So I just assumed if they, if they can't articulate it, then there's there's no good reason for it. And it's just their preference. So therefore, it doesn't matter. So I can get rid of it. And so I, I started ripping out a lot of things. And I, and I got rid of a lot of junk, I think, that needed to not be around. But now, as I'm growing older, and, and you kind of balanced me out on this, Seth, there are things I think that we need to have. So what... But before we talk about that, what, what, what's so wrong with ritual in, in your mind? Yeah, I think you've highlighted some of the key problems of what happens with ritual. I'm not saying that ritual, just because it's ritual, is good. There are lots of rituals, I think, that can be harmful, especially when we've forgotten why we've done them. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of, I think part of what it means to be younger is... Uh, pushing back against the rituals of uh, the previous generation or the previous generations sure. and asking, why do we do this stuff? This doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't matter why I do this thing. Um, it doesn't matter why I can't wear shorts. That doesn't make any sense anymore. And I think that's when ritual goes wrong. Part of what's wrong with it is it no longer is providing that necessary, that reminder of who we're supposed to be. Yeah. If I have no idea why I'm doing this, it doesn't tell me why I should be doing this. And it also, another problem with ritual is when we start to assume that the ritual makes us the person we want to be. Yeah. Ritual cannot make us the person we want to be. No matter how hard I do this ritual, if that's not who I am, ritual isn't going to make me that. It doesn't automatically happen just because I have come and I have celebrated Christmas. Therefore, everything is good and my faith is all right. That doesn't, that's not how it works. So when ritual, instead of being the means to an end, becomes the actual end, is that, yeah. is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. I, I think that's a great ritual, way of putting it. When ritual becomes a comfort, when it becomes a safety blanket, a security blanket, a means to keep me comfortable, or, you know, just a means to keep me from having to think. I don't really want to have to think. So. I could do this thing because this is what it's always done. We don't have to really reinvent the wheel kind of idea. Yeah. I think it's harmful when it doesn't cause us to think. I think ritual should cause us to think. It should spur us to deeper thought about who we're supposed to be. But I do think it's okay that ritual can be comforting. Um, That's why we do many rituals is to remind us that even in, even in uncertain times, we're going to be okay. And that's a decent part of it, but it's that idea of making us safe, um, that by doing this ritual, we will be okay. We will be safe. We will be the person we want to be. That's where things go wrong. Um, Ritual doesn't make us that thing. Ritual does remind us who we want to be. As long as it's that signpost, that pointing to um, the place we're going, then it's okay. Um, When it becomes the thing we're supposed to do, you do this because you have to do this. That's when it goes wrong. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's what I saw a lot of. And when, as I grew up, I think one of the things that I've learned that's helped me is to sit and try to find people that are willing to have the conversation about why, 
what were what were the dreams when our church was started and you know before starting a, a few years back probably five the last five years or so i've, I've had conversations uh, before i was lead pastor what were the dreams of our church what were what were people trying to accomplish what was god putting on their heart what were so that i could understand why it was built this way why what were the what were the passion and the purpose um, behind why these things were established so that I could connect deeply with the why even in the midst of maybe we're not going to do it that way anymore, but we're still going to keep the same why. We're still going to keep the same purpose. We're still going to keep the same mission because usually if someone can articulate the why behind it, then my heart can connect to it in a lot of ways. It's not that that they had bad motives. It's that the method might be outdated. Yeah. And rituals need updating. Just because it's been done this way for a hundred years doesn't mean that it should always be done this way. Right. Um, we should question, hey, why do we do the ritual this way? Why do we why do we do this ritual? And if it's no longer serving its purpose, then it's okay to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess the next question would be uh, what what's what's so good about ritual? When ritual is done well. I think part of why it is good is because it, it works as that signpost to remind us of who we want to be. When there are lots of when there's lots of chaos in the world around us, coming back to a ritual that says God is going to take care of us, God provides our security, not our money, not our security, not our um, police force, not our government, not our job. Those things aren't necessarily the things that provide security, but God provides us security even in the midst of chaos. Then it reminds us who we're, who we're supposed to be. We're not these people that are consumed with fear, uncertainty, and doubt. We're people that are filled with faith and calmness and seeking after peace. Part of a big part of Christmas is talking about peace on earth and goodwill towards men. It reminds us who God is calling us to be, that we are the ones, we are the peacemakers, not to go out and be terrible people, not to go out and cause harm, not to go out and and be harmful to others around us, but to seek after peace because that is what God has done with us. Yeah, I think uh, you know, I think about muscle memory and the idea of having there are things that I can do and I do over and over and because I do them over and over I don't think about them anymore. So they become just an automatic thing that I do and uh I I walk fast, really fast. And that's one of the automatic things that I do. And I noticed, I noticed this a lot because if I take a teenager to the store, like we're hanging out, you know, or I'm discipling with someone and I go to, go to the store, we pull up a target, we get out of the car and I start walking and I walk really fast and they're like, where, where's the fire? You know, what's going on? I'm in my mind. I'm like, I just walk as fast as I can every, everywhere I go. And I forget because that's muscle memory, because that's just a habit and a ritual in my life um, uh, of walking fast. And in one way that helps me, that's, that's how I stay, stay fit. I think is just because I have this, this ADD motor that won't stop. That makes me walk as fast as I can everywhere I go, but I lose out on the, the moment of having a conversation. And I forget the whole purpose is to be with this person, not to accomplish this task and buy this thing. So, how can how can I make sure that that not religion but um, that ritual 
stays a signpost that reminds me to stop and think and pause rather than becoming a, a muscle memory that prevents me from thinking and allows me to just kind of bowl over people and forget about the moment and forget about the whole thing. Cause that's where I start hurting people and hurting relationships. How can, how can ritual benefit my life in that way? and be a signpost rather than a muscle memory. I think part of it is part of ritual is a little bit of a muscle memory. It's training ourselves to do something different than what we normally do. Our first nature is for instance, with you, with what you're talking about, your first nature is just Naturally, you will walk fast. Mm-hmm. Part of what ritual reminds us to take the time to go slowly and experience the world around me. Um, for instance, with me, I've developed kind of a, a tea ritual. Whenever I make tea to drink, I just stay there and I don't get on my phone. I don't get on my computer. I just kind of stand there in the kitchen and wait. No, and I'd be insane. quiet. <laughs> that would drive yeah, me absolutely I, insane. I would have to I'm be not very saying anyone else should do this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying anyone else should do this. Um, the reason I do this is to remind me to pause and look around and reflect on where I'm at. Because I can easily distract myself for however long I'm awake. Um, if I'm awake for 24 hours, I can easily distract myself 24-7 sure. by getting on a screen, um, getting on a laptop, getting on something that I can look at um, on this virtual world. But when I'm making tea, I put that stuff away and it reminds me to experience life in the real world, to just wait and pause and be quiet for a bit. And that reminds me of who I want to be. I want to be the sort of person that can stand in that place to experience the world around me to be present. And so that's how looking at, at ways that we want to benefit our lives with ritual is looking at those places that we want to remind ourselves of who we want to be. What do I naturally do in this circumstance? Who do I want to be? Are those things consistent? Are those things gelling together? And if they're not, then maybe ritual can be introduced as something that helps me remember in this situation this is how I want to react. Okay. So, so recently my wife has gotten, has gone in and gotten uh, $10 McDonald's gift cards, mm-hmm. um, several of them. And she just keeps them in the, in the van. And I was like, why are you doing this? This is, <laughs> I hate McDonald's. I never want to go to McDonald's. Why are you getting gift cards to McDonald's? And it's because she said that we often, we almost never carry cash. Mm-hmm. But when she sees someone that needs some help, that is looking for some kindness that she can give this to him and say, Hey, I don't have any cash, but here's, here's a meal. Have, have some food. Oh, that's cool. And it's a, it's become a ritual for me to, to, to remind myself to be more generous because in that situation, I do not want to be generous, mm-hmm. but because Wendy is a generous person, it reminds me to be generous too. And I want to participate in that. That's cool. So, you know, you talked about the, the cards and the tea, how, how do you know when to start this or how do you know how to start this? How do you recognize like this, uh, this moment or this opportunity? Hey, maybe I should start a ritual here. How do you, how do you do that? How do you identify those moments and, and set that up? What's the kind of the thought process in your mind as you build those? I think some of it is, um, reactionary of realizing I, I am behaving in a way that I don't want to behave. How can I change? <laughs> um, so part of it is reactionary of, I, I realize that I, I'm not doing the th- sort of things I want to do. 
So I'm going to start this process to remind me to do something different. Um, I think some of it is just natural. Um, people naturally start incorporating rituals to remind themselves who they want to be. I think of um, like really rabid sports fanatics um, that have all these rituals that they do and they participate in to remind them that they're part of the team. So the, you know, they might not wash their socks <laughs> for right. an entire baseball season. That's gross. Um, or they'll wear this particular jersey whenever their team is playing at home um, or whatever things they do. Uh -huh. And I don't think anyone really believes, maybe some people do, but I don't think anyone really believes that because I wear this jersey, my team will automatically win. What I think is going on there is because I'm wearing this jersey, I'm part of the team. I'm not just a spectator. I'm participating in, in the team and I'm part of what's going on there. So I think sometimes rituals are just natural parts of displaying who we want to be. Okay. I want to be part of this, the team. And so I wear this jersey along with my team. Okay. So when that's what there's natural ones that start, but, but how do you, how do you identify and, and start one yourself? That I think just takes, like I said, uh, realizing I want to do this thing differently. So take time to, to ask some questions about, okay, who do I want to be in this situation? What will remind me to do these things in that situation? So, um, for instance, Brene Brown, um, who is, uh, an author I've been reading here recently. Um, I think I've talked about her previously on podcasts. She has a ritual that when she's asked to do something, um, she has this little bracelet on her wrist that she twists three times and says, choose discomfort over resentment. Because what she found was that when people asked her to do stuff, she would automatically say yes, because she's a people pleaser. Right. Um, and in saying yes, um, that allowed her not to be discomforted in the situation. So she'd be comfortable in the situation, but later she would resent the person for asking her because she didn't really want to do the thing. Right. She's just people pleasing. So for her, it was, um, she, before she said yes, ever, she would twist her, this band on her wrist and say, choose discomfort over resentment, choose discomfort over resentment, choose discomfort over resentment. And if she could get all three of them out of the way, that would allow her to process Am I choosing because I want to do this or am I choosing because I feel like I have to because I'm saying that yes to this person? Okay. So rituals don't have to be long and elaborate and big and huge. They can be as simple as twisting a wrist for someone that might be struggling with issues of faithfulness in their marriage. Maybe it's just touching their, their wedding ring a couple of times as they're thinking through what, what am I, what am I thinking about? What am I struggling with um, when they come to those situations? Yeah. Part of it is I can't give you like a, a step-by-step guideline. I think I'm getting it. What I can um, give you is here's some ideas about what you can do. So I think when I know, when I notice myself um, not doing something I want to do, for, here's a simple one. I, I worked years at UPS and I loaded boxes and my hands, I didn't wear gloves. So my hands got, they were black with dirt every night. And now um, they dry out really fast like the skin is permanently kind of damaged on my hands. So if I don't, once wintertime comes around in our Pennsylvania climate, when the heaters come on, if I don't put lotion on my hands, they will crack. They will start to bleed. They will look really, really bad. <laughs> and, it, and it hurts, you know, it just, it's painful. My fingers will start to crack and it's my palms, you know, that will be flaky skin and it just gets really, really bad. So I have to put some kind of lotion on my hands and 
I'll, I'll forget to do this. So one of the ways I did is I found these like little tins uh, at the store of uh, like Nivea or something like that. And they're like a buck each. And so I buy a stack of them, you know, buy like five of them, put one in the car. I put one in my jacket. I put one at my office, but leave them on the desk, leave them on my nightstand. So then every time I see one of these and I wash my hands, then I'm like, oh, I should put this on my hands. And in doing that, it's a way of, of doing self-care and taking care of myself. And I notice when I'm being intentional about taking care of my hands, I'm also intentional about making sure I get lunch and maybe that I'm getting the sleep that I need and other things in my life. So that one ritual of taking care of my hands translates into me taking better care of myself. And if I'm if I'm taking care of myself, then I'm going to be the kind of person that takes care of those around me and understands and, and is mindful of, I should also care for my wife or I should care for my son or the, the other people on my team. It's kind of like a, a keystone. It's a domino effect of when I do this, then so that's kind of become a ritual. And my, my wife, you know, makes fun of me like, Oh, you got to put lotion on your hands. <laughs> like, no, I need this. Like, this is something I need or, or I'm going to be miserable in, in two weeks if I, if I stop doing this. Um, so that's, yeah, is it that kind of thing? No, I, I think that's, that's hit it right on the head. Um, one of the, the key things about this is that solutions create solutions. Um, so if in creating this, this, ritual, you notice that it is impacting other areas of your life that you didn't even think about when you started. Right. And those are good. Solutions create solutions. Um, so look for those. If if instead this ritual is causing more harm mm-hmm. and causing you to just dislike what you're doing or dislike the people you're around or do harmful things, then hey, change the ritual. <laughs> yeah. um, do something different. Um, solutions create solutions. So when creating rituals, um, and looking at these options, keep that mantra in mind. And I think you'll, you'll end up in good places. I know, um, TV shows are rituals. They're just built in rituals. It's, it's a serial show. So a podcast or a TV show, you're going to listen to it weekly. You're going to watch it. You're going to binge watch it when the episodes come out or something like that. And I've noticed different shows that I watch will cause me to be a different kind of person. Or even if I if I invest in a show, that means I'm going to put some time energy into it. So there's been times where it's like, I gotta go watch my show, even regardless of what else is going on in my life. So that would be a, a negative ritual sometimes or a ritual that that causes me to to be more concerned about, you know, this thing that that I want that causes me to be more selfish, that causes me to be more isolated. And that's that could be negative and bad for me. So to kind of wrap it up, um, how do we make sure that our the rituals we're establishing are good and worthwhile and, and that they benefit the people we lead? Uh, I think, um, again, it comes back to the solutions create solutions. And part of how I think it benefits um, the people around us and who we lead is um, that it will make people feel like they are part of a worthwhile community. They are part of what is actually going on in, in, in our community, whether it's a church or in whatever our campus ministry or whatever's going on, that when we are doing good rituals, um, the people around us, their lives will, will be better because of it. Peace will happen more often. Joy, grace, mercy, those parts of us that God is calling us to live out um, those happen more. 
And when we are doing rituals, not just on an individual level, not just for us, but when we are creating or re-examining or reevaluating rituals that we do in community, so at church or in campus ministry, we want to look for those rituals that make our community and point our community the direction that we want it to go. Um, so the way we do baptism, mm-hmm. we want to do baptism in a way that it incorporates the community and doesn't just, isn't this show on the side. Um, the way we want to end our service is to remind us why we do the things that we do um, and send us out into the world to be those sorts of people. Um, yeah, They are pointing us to and not just saying, because you have come to church this week, you are good and you're fine and right. you're, you've, you have done the, the chore, you can take that off your list and you are good. Instead, it's, you've come to church, now go and be this sort of person. Yeah. I think um, for me, one of the ways I, that it helps and benefits those I lead and a way that it could be beneficial and worthwhile is to not hide the ritual to expose the ritual to others. So if I'm, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want people to see me putting lotion on my hands. You know, it's like, Oh, what, what is this guy? You know, why, why is he putting lotion on his hands? But I know if I don't do it, like my hands are going to be bloody, like literally. <laughs> so, but by, if I'm, if I say instead of living um, in isolation, I'm going to expose my ritual to other people that I lead, then that means I need to have a story. I need to have an explanation. So then I can, I could do the thought and say, you know, and I never really articulated until today about the the hand lotion thing, but I, I do. I, when I take better care of myself, then I take better care of my wife and those around me. So that's a story I can actually share as I engage in the ritual. So when people see me putting lotion on my hands, I can, I could say, Hey, this is, this helps me take good care of myself, which then in turn helps me take good care of other people. And by having a story that goes with the ritual, whether it's making tea or something like that, then you can start to teach and instruct your team and help them see this is why we do what we do and this is the way we do it so that they can connect with the why more than just the this is what we always do. Yeah, a, a ritual without reason is not really a ritual. Um, it's a procedure that you're going through and no, no one may know why. Oh, that's really good. And so it is important that we know the whys, we know the stories. Uh, one last thing I just wanted to talk about was one of the rituals that we do as our campus ministry is at the end of the year, um, whenever we have graduates, um, part of what we do is we tell our graduates, um, we present them with a plate and you know, it's a plate. It's not a hugely, it's doesn't cost a great deal of money to get the plate, but I think the, the plate is meaningful because part of what we say is this plate reminds you that you will always have a place at, CSF's table. You will always have a place here with us. Um, Wherever you go in the world, as you go out to start a career, as you go out to move to a different place, as you go out in the world, you will always have a place. You are always going to be part of this thing. And that's a ritual that reminds our seniors of who they're going to be as they graduate. And it's a reminder of to our current students of who they're trying to be as well. Nice. And in that way, I think it's a good ritual. That's really sweet. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. You can connect with me, uh, Seth Frank, at our website, mcsf.is. And you can find all the stuff that I'm doing at pastorhudson.com. Our church website is yourcbcfamily.org. Merry Christmas. We love you guys. Thank you for serving. <laughs>